You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Um, can I just say this before we listen to Paul and Priscilla have to say? These people are, and I said it last week and I'll say it in their company, these people genuinely are legends. They really are legends. Their faithfulness, their commitment has been amazing. And their ministry over 40 years has actually saved actual lives, has changed actual lives and has made people who were on the road to hell turn and come and meet their Savior and go to heaven. Can we give a round of applause to them? We're going to hand over to them. And Paul, if you want me to say anything else nice, it's another 20 euros, okay? I didn't recognize myself there. Wow, thank you, Michael. It's, been a, it's just so fantastic to be back in Cork again, in the Rebel County. We love, yeah, we love, we love Cork, we love these folks. In fact, I was trying to work out the first time we came, Barry and Joanne had just had their first child. So whatever age, they, whatever age... Yeah, that's about right then, 14, 15 years, yeah. So fantastic to be here. Um, we've been, uh, like yourselves, in lockdown for, for months. This is our second live service since March the 7th. So it's pretty special yeah, to be here. <laughs> you, I mean, you, you've been doing this for a couple of weeks, but we've been, we've been locked down in Belfast, and our own church is just starting today, so fantastic. Uh, we've, uh, for those of you who don't know us, we've been married for 45 years. It's a long time. To the same same person. (laughs) And uh, we've got four daughters and nine grandchildren, uh, eight girls and one little boy. So So we we stopped off in Dublin because we've got two girls in Dublin. And we got into the car on our leaving home. And it was a nice day for Belfast. So I was looking for my sunglasses. And I said to Paul... They say confession's good for the soul. So do you remember when we were in Donegal for the family holiday a couple of weeks ago and you lost your sunglasses and you kept saying to me that I was wearing your sunglasses and I kept saying, no, these are my sunglasses. My confession is that at the end of the week I found my sunglasses and I put your sunglasses in your suitcase to make you think that you just found them. (laughs) So I said, well, while we're at it. <laughs> His is far worse than mine. It's not. We'll just tell. While we're at it, Priscilla's mum and dad are uh, in 92 and 90. Still, still pretty active, etc. But obviously we've been kind of looking after them a lot. And Priscilla had their credit card. Which, is, which was wonderful. Uh, and so I, Priscilla was out of the house one day and I was looking for some change in her purse. And I saw this old MasterCard, which we used to have, but we don't anymore. And I thought, she's got an old MasterCard in there. So I took it out and cut it in two and put it in the bin. Then I thought I had lost my parents' credit card. I was in a complete panic, went into their bank account to check that nobody was using it. Paul knew that I was in a complete panic. And he never told me. <laughs> My life wouldn't have been worth living, to be honest with you. I so just... we decided, well, you need to confess your sins immediately to God. It's better to not confess to your partner or your husband or your wife for a few weeks. And then it's not so, yeah, it's it not so drastic. So 
anyway, confession. But, um, you know, for all of us, this has been really strange times. And so as Paul and I were talking about what we would share with you today, we were kind of thinking, you know, in troubled times, in difficult times, what is it? What are the main things that anchor our souls? What is an, what are our anchors in the storm. So that's what we want to share with you today. What are the things that we have found have anchored us during this time? And I think anchor us for life. And we just want to share some of those things. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do the first one. And it's this. It's all about Jesus. <laughs> now, I know when I say that, I sound a little bit like the boy who was in children's church or Sunday school. And the teacher said, uh, those famous words said, what is about this length, has got a bushy tail, lives in trees, and eats nuts? The little boy put his hand up and he said, I know the answer is Jesus, but it sounds like a squirrel to me. <laughs> but of course, the reality is, that's true. That is absolutely true. And when we were locked down, now we've been really, we've been disciplined all our lives in terms of our personal walk with God, etc., but it came home to us again that everything that we do and are stems and flows from our relationship with Jesus. The, the God of heaven is the unknowable God except he reveals himself to us. And he's revealed himself to us in the person of Jesus. And he's not, and this is the key thing, he's not like us. We kind of think God's like us. He's not like us. That's one truth. The other one is that we're the only creatures on the face of the earth who bear the image of God. And God wants to invite us into a wonderful relationship with himself. And whatever that looks like or however that began in your life, for us it was 50 years ago, we as teenagers came to know Jesus and that's been a growing adventure and a development ever since. And so we were locked down. Now just to give you a little idea of our, our lives, we did 95 flights last year. 90, 95 flights. So we are, we are busy people and we love flying all over the world and doing what we do. It's been fantastic. Suddenly, we're shut down. And you know, when you're, whenever you, I preach for with, years. With each other. With each other on our own. I mean, you know, we're talking serious stuff here. And, and whenever you, what I discovered was that there's a, there's a, 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 you come to a point where, you know, when you're locked down, you're not busy. And all your life you've preached, you're not what you do, you are who God says you are. You begin to live in the reality of that. And it exposed all, all my insecurities and all my weaknesses. And it took me back in a fresh way to Jesus again. And everything that I do has to flow from that relationship. In other words, a personal walk, whatever you call it, a love relationship, somewhere engaging with scripture, you open up your heart to Jesus every day. And you allow him to minister to you. And, and you go to the scripture every day. Funny, I was reading a survey not long ago from the, I'll say it, the, it's the British and Foreign Bible Society. It only relates to England and Wales, that godly, ungodly place. And, uh, <laughs> but what they, say, what they said is this. They took, a, they took a pretty extensive poll. And that of evangelical and charismatic Christians, only 11% read their Bible from one Sunday to the next. Now, I, I don't know, I don't know what you, you think about that, but it's pretty shocking given what we say we believe uh, that our faith is based on. And some, sometimes you've got to just to get into the 
word of God, whatever way works for you. And, and I don't want to put something on you that's not going to work. I do, and, and, and so you, you said to yourself, the problem is if you don't meet God on a regular basis, it becomes, every day with Jesus becomes every other day with Jesus and then becomes now and again with Jesus. And, and it affects how you live your life and what you do. So you come back to that everything that you do flows from your relationship and the development of that with Jesus Christ. Now I find, and some people say, well, I'm not a great reader. That's okay. You can listen to scripture these days. Honestly, you don't need to worry about that. And, and the, the other thing is there's a, there's a sense of when sometimes you read the Bible. And I don't know, have you read Le Leviticus or Jeremiah recently? <laughs> I mean, you want to kill yourself after it. <laughs> I, I'm serious, you know. And, and you go, why am I reading this here? And here's what I've discovered. When you read the Bible every day, you get a someday. Do you, do you understand? Yeah. Some days you read it and it's just, it's just reading it. But as I, I would say, I don't know why I'm reading this here, but I would say this. Do you know what you had for your dinner two weeks ago? No, but it still did you good, didn't it? Yeah. You can't remember. And there's something about exposing your heart, exposing your life and your mind to the word of God. And, and as I say, I don't want to put you into a straitjacket. I, I, I want to, I mean, I would, I'd say Priscilla and I, we're very different. We got married. We were good brethren folk. We decided we would set nights aside during the week to pray for the whole, seriously, for four hours. And it lasted about two weeks. Because Priscilla said my prayers were short and shallow. And I said hers were long and boring. And, uh, and so we, we, we discovered this very early on that we expressed our spirituality in a very different way. When I say Priscilla is a story prayer, so she'll, she'll say, she'll start praying, oh Lord, I thank you. That at the school gates yesterday, I met Janet. She's a lovely girl. And uh, it, was at, it was at three o'clock. No, it was ten past three, actually, because I was a little bit late because my dad had called and he's not feeling this well. Is recently. You know, this is a total exaggeration. Everything in you wants to go, please make her stop. <laughs> but what we discovered was that we expressed the way we relate to God in different ways. I just like to get scripture out, get in my own notebook write my own sermons that nobody will ever hear, write my own commentaries, unless they're discovered after I die and people, people publish them and make a fortune. You'll probably do that, actually. Yes, definitely. But just, just to finish off, I, I'd like to say this. I'd like, my challenge is this. If you stopped engaging with Jesus in a meaningful way on a regular basis, could you start today? I'm not saying, you say, I can't get up at five o'clock and do two hours. No, don't worry about the hour that you don't have. Take the five minutes you do have. Start somewhere. Start somewhere. And I'll finish with this story. Because I think everything flows from it. And the story is this. I was walking around an orchard one day in County Armagh, the orchard county, with a friend of mine, a farmer. And I looked at it. It was near the end of August. And they're all Bramley apples. And I said, Leslie, what makes a good apple? Here's what he said. Take care of the tree pole and the apple will take care of itself. And I, of course, I got, I got my notebook. It was a long time ago. I said, that'll preach. And I wrote it down. And what do you mean? He says, well, look, if you, prune the, if you prune the tree, you keep the insects off it. You make sure it's watered and fed and looked after. You don't need to worry about the apples. They'll come naturally. It's the same with our relationship with God. You take care of your relationship with Jesus. You, keep the, you, you make sure it's pruned. Keep the, keep the insects off it. Keep it well watered. Keep it regular. You know something? The fruit of the Holy Spirit will flow out of your life because everything flows from your relationship with Jesus. And I think just picking, picking that up, for me, 
um, over these last few months and I'm talking to people as well people who aren't Christians, people who are Christians, I think the two things we've all been battling with have been anxiety and fear. You, you know, the, the future suddenly, you can't plan anything. You, you don't know, things change from, from week to week. And, um, and so therefore, it's really important, that, well, it was really important for me to think, Lord, how, how am I going to deal with the anxiety and fear that I have to admit comes regularly knocking at my door? And, um, and scripture too is, has got great instructions about how we deal with anxiety and fear. I mean, obviously, one of the, the most well-known verses is Philippians 4 verse 6, where it tells us to be anxious for nothing but in everything with thanksgiving to make your requests known to the Lord and the peace of God will guard your mind and heart. I, I always said, I've said to the Lord, you know, if I'm being really honest, sometimes I wish that verse wasn't in the Bible because, you know, it says, be anxious for nothing. And I said, if you really wanted me to live my life free of anxiety, Lord, why did you give me four daughters and nine grandchildren? Because with each child, there's another set of fears and anxieties. Um, but, you know, I, I hold on to this verse. I really do. And, and it goes back to what Paul's saying about maintaining our love relationship with the Lord, that, that we come to him, that we talk to him. There is nothing that we can't talk to the Lord about. I mean, we are facing big issues in our world today, huge issues, global issues. And it was funny during lockdown, there were times, actually there was one morning I was praying and I was asking the Lord about a whole lot of wee small things. They weren't even that important, but I just needed to get them off my chest. And I had this picture of me. I felt like, you know, I was like a little girl tugging at um, her daddy's sort of trousers saying, you know, you're, you're thinking about other bigger things, but I, I'm thinking about these wee small things. And, you know, the Lord really reassured me. And I, it makes me smile at times that, you know, sometimes just some wee inconsequential thing you're talking to the Lord about, and he just comes along, and he, he answers it, and he answers your, your fears and your anxieties, and he says, you see, I really do care about you. The things that are important to you are important to me, and, and as we have that freedom, if we're not to be anxious about anything, then also the answer to that is that we bring everything to him and that we stop relegating prayer to some kind of religious exercise that we're supposed to do you know we put it on our to-do list I ought to pray more whereas prayer is just talking to the Lord and in our fr in our friendships you know, how do we develop our friendships? We spend time talking to each other. We, we communicate with each other. It's the most important thing. And so if we see it as part of just a normal, ongoing relationship, we can talk to him about anything. And I find personally, it's how I close the door to fear and anxiety in my life because your fears will fuel your anxiety. Whatever you're fearful about will make you more and more anxious. And so therefore, you know, it, it is really important. And, and it, I think the key is, and it's important not to miss this out on that verse, it's with thanksgiving. You know, that you come with a thankful heart because the, the devil really you know, moves in at times when we're talking to the Lord about stuff and maybe the answer isn't immediate and he starts to whisper in our ear, you see, 
you think God cares about you, but he doesn't really care. And he always tempts us towards having an ungrateful heart. He always tempts us to, to think, no, God isn't faithful and God isn't good. But we need to refuse that ingratitude and come, whatever our circumstances, and say, Lord, thank you, you're faithful. Thank you that you're good. Thank you that you're for me. I, that's why I love that blessing song. You know, you're for us, you're for us, you're for us. And then we can just pour out our hearts to him. And as we pour out our hearts, then the peace of God comes and it stands guard. That's the idea of the word, that it stands guard over our hearts, our emotions, and it stands guard over our thinking. And, and then the second thing I would say about fear and anxiety, Jesus talked about it. He says, you know, why do you worry about your life? That you know, the food and and let's face it, these days there are financial worries out there with people's jobs on the line and a lot of difficulties. And Jesus said, you know, your heavenly father looks after the birds of the air. He look look how the lilies in the field are clothed. If if he looks after them, do you not think he cares more about you than he cares about them? And he he knows what you need and he's gonna meet your need more abundantly than you can ask or think. And and so that's the other answer, I think, to fear and worry. It's about trusting, trusting the Lord. And funny, I said to Paul the other day, you know, I because I know I struggle with anxieties and fears. I know I do. And I said, Paul, that's not something that you you know, you don't seem to struggle oh, with it. I'm in this. God. That, that's the thing. It's a big difference. You know, the, he don't, you don't seem to struggle with it as much as I do, but you said... To me, no, I, I said, well, you know, I, I was in business before when I was really young, and uh, I had, I mean, this a long time ago, but at over a million pounds worth of mortgages, and I was really stressed about it. And uh, the Lord, Lord said to me, I was, I was in a meeting, actually, and uh, the man was talking about trust. I just felt the Lord say, Paul... And I'd never heard it before. I mean, it's, you, probably most of you have heard of it. Paul, uh, the Lord said, Paul, I am your source of supply. And I said, well, you know, could you, what, could you clarify that a bit, please? You know, and, I, and the Lord said, well, look, he said, I, when the time comes, you need to trust me. That you think the money will come this way, but, but of course, I am the one who supplies however the money comes. So sometimes we get money from the government. Sometimes we work for it. Sometimes it's a gift. But we always got to keep in mind that God's the source of our supply. And when you keep that in your heart, I think it settles you, to be honest with you, not particularly worrying about what, where, you always got your, where you always got your money from. The source of supply that God is is the key. And you know, when we were talking about this morning, we thought because we're hitting on a lot of issues, rather than waiting to the end of, the, of our time together to pray, we just thought, well, why don't we pray as we hit these issues? So I would love, because it is something that I struggle with myself, I would love it if you feel that anxiety and fear are two things that also come knocking at your door, perhaps even you're struggling with right now, I'd love a chance to pray for you. So, you know, if you're upstairs here in the room, if you just want to bring those anxieties and fears and leave them with the Lord this morning and re receive his peace instead, would you take a moment and stand and give me the, the privilege of praying for you? Just stand where you are and, uh, and we'll pray together. Father, we thank you that your word says, cast your cares on me because I care for you. Yeah. 
And Lord, you want to speak that into every single person who is standing here this morning. Cast your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. The message says he is most careful with you. Father, we take authority over every anxious thought. We take authority over every fear. And we cast it on you today in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, we open up our arms to you and we say, Today, Lord, I receive your peace. I receive your peace. I, I speak peace to my mind, to my heart, to my spirit. Holy Spirit, will you come right now and will you fill our minds and our hearts as we give over our fears and, on, and our anxieties to you? Um, I, I, I just can't help noticing, and I think it's a young man because there's a light, but if, if you're not, <laughs> I apologize. But in the light, your T-shirt has just come to life, and I see stripes. And I just feel it, it is for everybody standing, but for you in particular, the Lord is saying to you, do not look back. The things that have caused you anxiety in the past, I feel like the Lord is saying, I have taken away the power of those things to cause you fear and anxiety right now. So he's saying to you, don't look back. I feel like the Lord is closing some doors in your life. And he's saying, this is a time to look forward. Although the future is uncertain, I know the future and you can trust me. So don't look back. Those things have no longer any power to cause you fear and anxiety. So Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name for your love and care for us. Amen. 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 Please be seated. Yeah, the, the third one was we, we, we discovered, uh, not that we, we hadn't before, but it was the whole issue of perseverance. Keeping on. Do you know what the, do you know what the, the doomsayers say? That since this, and this is across the Western world, that a third of the people who used to go to church will never come back again. That's, that's, that's what they're predicting. They're saying people will just go, well, you know something? It was quite nice to sit in my jammies and watch the service or not and flick through Facebook when I'm listening. Uh, and, and I'm not going to come back again. And I think sometimes you've just got to say perseverance is really important. And you know what it is? Keeping on, keeping on. It's in spite of what you face, you're going to keep on doing what God's called you to do. Much of the New Testament is about keeping on. It's about sticking in there. It's not gritting your teeth and bearing it. I don't mean that. But, you know, when you get verses like in Galatians chapter 6, Paul's saying, don't grow weary in doing good. He says, but don't, don't grow weary. And why does he say that? Because sometimes you grow weary when you do good. And Romans 12, he says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Why would he say that? Because sometimes we lose our spiritual fervor. That's what happens to us. And sometimes, sometimes you, 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 you're in a situation in life and you're, you're vulnerable, you're weak, you're tired. I put some things down, you get tired, you get drained, you get discouraged, you get disappointed, you get disillusioned sometimes, and you get defeated. And sometimes in the middle of all that, you don't grit your teeth. You've got to take a step back and go, if I'm going to keep on doing what God's called me to do, there's some things I need to put in place. Now, we've already talked a little bit about them. Uh, but what I find is when I feel like that, whenever things are coming at me, and I just want to say, you know something, Lord? Is it really worthwhile? Could I encourage you? I want to thank you for coming here today. 
Seriously. Now, some people genuinely can't come because they're, they're, they're just a bit afraid and their health's a bit fragile. And I fully understand that. Don't get me wrong. But to make the effort to come out today, you've decided that no matter what, you're going to come out and grow together and work together and have community together. Thank you for doing that. Some, seriously, thank you so much for doing that. I find whenever I find my reserves are low, I go into a certain mode. I confess it. As Priscilla said, I talk to the Lord about it. And some people say, but does the Lord not already know? Well, of course he does. But when you confess it, you invite him into the situation. You invite him. It's a bit like having a bit of a row with your wife that never happened to us, ever. <laughs> But, uh, you know, we both know what the issue is, but it only, gets, it only gets healed when we start talking about it. And it's the same with the Lord. You invite him into the relationship. And, and again, you reestablish talking. You start to talk to him. And, and again, I can't make it. I think of the times in our life. We've, you, might, you might look at us and say, you've had it easy. Listen, we planted a church almost 40 years ago. We didn't have it easy all the time in Belfast. We had some really difficult times. But we had a group of people who were community and family together. And you will not make it unless you're part of that community. And I, rem I always remind myself that God isn't finished with me, uh, with me yet. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about that in a moment. I just say, Lord, this is really hard, but I'm a child of God. I've been adopted into your family. And whatever happens, you are good. God is good. Now, I, don't wanna, I, don't, I, know, what you, I know what you're going to say, but this is really important. And I understand the sentiment. You know, remember, I used to say things like, with a church picnic last weekend and the sun shone, isn't God good? Now, the problem is, in Ireland, it's raining somewhere 293 days a year. <laughs> which, if you follow the logic through, God isn't good 293 days. You've got to settle the issue that no matter what happens in your life, the only thing that qualifies the goodness of God is the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that qualifies it. That no matter what you have to face, you look back and you say, Jesus, you gave your life for me. You persevered. You kept on going. You, you led down everything. That, uh, you led down the glory of heaven and you came to this earth. Lord Jesus, would you give me the help to persevere in tough times? We need to be persevere sometimes, more often than we admit. But God gives us the grace to persevere. Because recently I've been reading through Paul's shorter letters, you know, in the New Testament, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians. And I, I just commented to Paul the other morning. I said, you know, honestly, when you read those letters, mostly Paul is saying to them, come on, guys, don't give, don't up. give up. Keep going. You know, I know it's really tough at the minute, but, but don't give up. I said, it's amazing how much of the New Testament is actually given over to... And it, that, that actually encourages my heart. You know, they, they also... And they were so much closer to when Jesus actually was there amongst them. But, but they also were in times of... Well, they were in times of persecution and, and real pressure. And, and so... The encouragement was don't don't give up. And, and I think that word comes to us again. And so for me, another anchor is biblical hope. It's hope. And actually Romans talks about how hope is linked to perseverance. That when we when we carry the hope of God in our in our lives, it helps produce character in us and it also leads to perseverance. And it's not, you know, we use hope all the, you know, I, I hope this virus goes away. I hope we won't be, you know, in, with, with 
having to wear these masks forevermore. Actually, you need to have real smiley eyes when you wear a mask, because nobody knows if you're, if you've smiley eyes, you're on a winner, because otherwise nobody knows you're smiling. But, you know, we hope we don't have to wear them forevermore. But, and it's a bit like if you said, well, I'm meeting Priscilla for coffee, I hope she won't be late. But you know fine rightly I will be late. So we use it, you know, when we actually mean the opposite. But biblical hope is very, very different. Biblical hope is based on the character of God. Biblical hope is based on the fact that, you know, Christ has died for us, that we know that our sins are forgiven. We know that we've been brought into a relationship with the living God. We know that our future is secure. Cure. And this is the thing about biblical hope. It takes a long-term view. I mean, you and I know we live in an instantaneous world. I think that's why we're struggling with the fact that this thing hasn't gone away. You know, we're all hoping, you know, it would go away in a couple of weeks. And we're really struggling with the fact that not only is it not going away, but sometimes it seems to be getting a bit worse. And and but biblical hope takes a long-term view. It's not always about needing that immediate you know, response, because we know the end of the story. We know that at the cross, Jesus defeated Satan, and that one day we are going to live fully in the good of that, and and that God is on our side, and that we are on the winning side because of what Jesus did at the cross. And so the scripture is filled with holding on to hope. And personally, I have found this really important during these last few months because maybe I have had more time to think. And I mean, to be fair, I've had more time to pray. I know some of you who are young parents, you know, you know you've got wee ones, you've maybe been doing homeschooling. You're going, I've had far less time than I would normally have. But we have had a bit, we've had the freedom of a bit more time. And so I've been praying over things. And and, and I, at one point I was saying to the Lord, Lord, I am discouraged because, you know, I'm praying about these people. I pray a lot for prodigals because we've got some in our own family and, you know, keep praying that the Lord will bring them back. And I said, Lord, I've been praying about these names for years and years and years. And, and I do get discouraged when some of them don't seem to be, I want them all to fall off the list so that I don't have to do it anymore. And uh, and so I, I felt like the Lord said, Priscilla, you need to hold on to hope. You need to hold on to the promises I have given you for those folk that you're praying for, because you know, what did the psalmist say, said? In his word, I will put my hope, I will put my trust. And so if God has given you promises, if God has given you words that as yet you haven't seen completely fulfilled, I would say to you, hold on to those promises because God will always be true to his word. You can put your hope in him. And honestly, I think when God has called us to be a prophetic people in our community, these are days more than ever before. We need to be a people of hope. You know, when your neighbor's talking to you and going, oh, the situation's desperate and I don't know what the world's coming to, you know, we can nod our heads and agree, but we have got a hope and a future. And we are people that we can share that hope with others based on a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so in scripture too, there are prayers about hope. And I want to pray one of those prayers over you today. And if you've just been feeling, maybe even this week, feeling just a loss of hope, just feeling that it's just draining out of you and you're finding it hard to hold on to hope. Again, would you just give us the opportunity to pray 
that God's hope would be resurrected in your heart. The word of God says he is the God of all hope. He's the God of all hope. There's no aspect of your life that he can't inject hope into. And so if you're struggling to hold on to hope, would you stand and we'll pray. And I know we can't touch each other, but maybe if you're around, just just hold out your hand just towards the person. You don't, you don't have to touch them, but just hold out your hand and pray God's blessing over them. Father, we want to come and pray your word over each other today. Your word says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we pray right now that where the enemy has come in to bring a spirit of hopelessness, where he has come to discourage, we want to stand against those words in our own minds, Lord, of discouragement. And instead, we receive your words of hope. You are our Father. You love us. Father, you can meet our needs. And the words that you've spoken into our lives, Lord, they are going to be fulfilled because you cannot lie. You're a God who cannot lie. And so again, Lord, we're standing here today because we're saying, Lord, afresh, I am going to choose to put my hope in you. That is my choice today. And so Holy Spirit, will you come right now? Would you fill each person standing that there would be an overflow of hope in this room? An overflow of hope. Grace as a church, that is what the Lord has called you to. He's called you to be countercultural. He's called you to be countercultural in this city and in this county and in Ireland. That this church, there will be a river of hope flowing from this place. And there will only be a river of hope flowing from us corporately if it's flowing from us individually. So receive his hope today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, please be seated. I think our time's up, but I'll, I'll just mention the last point. So we're, we're nearly there. And, and, it, and it was this, holding on to purpose. You know, it, it, we were sitting, we didn't get to travel. We had a lot of things in our diary. And there was a temptation to go, well, God's plans have stopped in our life. But actually, very early on, we said, you know, even when you're in lockdown, God's purpose and God's plan never changes for you. Now, when you say, well, what, what, what is that in my life? It looks, it's the same in all of our lives. It's what God wants to do in you and what God wants to do through you. It's the same. It's the same. And all of us will spend the rest of our days. All of us will spend the rest of our days God still having something to do in us and God still wanting to do something through us. It's God's purpose and plan for our life. And so as we finish today, I'll actually tell your story because I think it's important. I mean, Priscilla has a prophetic gifting and, and uh, you know, there's nobody around. I mean, she prophesied over me three times a day <laughs> and uh, I said, please, no more. And the, and the Lord spoke to you about about fulfilling your purpose. And, and yeah, what did you I do? Mean, Go on. Yes, I just really felt, you know, I didn't, wasn't doing this anymore. So I felt like the Lord said, I want you to, for 100 days, ask me to give you each day someone to send a prophetic word of encouragement to. So that's what I did. I just prayed every day, asked the Lord to put somebody on my heart, said, Lord, what, what do you want to say to them today? And I either texted them or emailed them. And, um, and actually, although it's, I've, I'm, I'm, I think I've got five more 
five more on my hundred. I haven't quite got to the end of my hundred, so I, I probably didn't do it every day. But but you know that was just one of the ways I felt like really challenged that the Holy Spirit said stir up the gift that is within you, and uh, and my, and I even allowed my, my mom who is coming 90 this year I mean her gift is hospitality and they were in total lockdown and and she went into apple pie baking mode and she was like a bakery she was making that many apple pies and then I had to be the delivery person that took the apple pies to everybody because she couldn't bring them bring them home but you know we we still have purpose and can use the gifts God has given us so why don't we all stand together as we uh, as we close today uh, just remember this, nothing's automatic in the Christian life. It has to be appropriated by faith and patience. Faith and patience. And purpose, God's plan for your life, is not determined by, it's not determined by intention, but by direction. Sometimes we come to a meeting like this and we say, well, we in, well you know something? I, there's coming, as soon as I get things sorted, I'm going to intend, I'm going to let God do what he wants in my life. I'm going to let him do what he wants through my life. Intention won't do it. You've got to come to a point in your life where you say, Lord, I want your purpose for my life. What do you want to do in me, changing me, making me more like Jesus? And what do you want to do through me? And lockdown's not going to stop that for our lives. So I'm going to pray for you. Father, I want to thank you. There's not one person here, young or old, that you don't have a purpose and a plan and a destiny for their life. We thank you, Lord, there's still something you want to do in them and there's still a lot you want to do through them. And Father, we just want, we don't want to have just good intentions today. We want to be a people who will say, here am I, send me. Lord, whatever it is you want to do, we're going to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of us. And so, Father, for every person in this room, upstairs, online, in the courtyard, in Cafe Church, wherever, that we may know your purpose and plan for our life in this day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we offer it up again for Paul and Priscilla? Thank you, guys. Wonderful to hear those wise experiences. I love what Paul said at the start. He said, you know, don't think about the two hours you don't have. Think about the five minutes that you do have. What the five minutes that you do have. And, it, you know, as we close in prayer, we're going to sing. We're going to sing the line of our, um, our God is the lion and the lamb again in just a second, just as we close. I'm going to ask you, would you be willing to say, Lord, I want to offer you my five minutes. Yeah, come on. I want to offer you my five minutes this week. I want to offer to you every day. For the next seven days, Lord, I want to come into your presence every day. If that's your prayer, would you raise your hand? I'll tell you, do you know, it's my prayer, and I'll tell you why it's my prayer. Because many years I've been a Christian for, oh gosh, longer than like 34 years, something ridiculous like that. And there's been plenty of times that I've heard a great message about connecting with Jesus, and I felt all fired up, and then I went home, and I watched the telly instead. So this is a prayer of intentionality. Would you raise your hands again? And let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, as we close today, we pray, Lord, that we would take with us the intention, the action to give you the five minutes that we do have in our lives this week, Lord. Lord, we commit this week to speak with you, to be in your presence, to focus on you every day, at some stage in every day for the next seven days. Would anyone say amen? amen. Remember now, Lord is listening to your amen, okay? So you're in trouble already after saying amen. Lord, I pray that not only... Will you hear our voices, but more importantly, we would hear your voices 
in our coming week, Lord Jesus. We commit ourselves into your hands. We ask you, would you go before us and be behind us? Be above us and be below us. Bless us as we get up and as we lie down, as we come and we go, as we work, rest, play and pray in Jesus' mighty name. And for the last time this morning, God's people said, Amen. The lads are going to play us out with the song. The lion and the lamb, we're going to have coffee in the courtyard below. Paul and Priscilla will be there. If you want to say hi, but please don't drink their blood. God bless and keep you. Go for it, lads. It's coming on the clouds. Kings and kingdoms will bow down.